Okay, we're recording. This is the book club discussion, and the book is Your Money of Your hey, Life. Seven months in, we finally get around to talking about money. <laughs> I know, it's right? Important, it's an important topic. It is, you know, it's, it's interesting because, and this is why I think, you know, when she mentioned, like the, the person who recommended it and advocated for the strongest um, recommendation said that it changed her life. And I think that the reason why is that the beginning of it, it just talked about um, just money, like, you know, writing stuff down, writing, knowing everything that comes in and out. And like, by that point, I was like, whatever I've done, I've read a thousand of these books like that. And that actually just annoys the living crap out of me. I don't want to do all that. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I even posted on it. I posted how resistant I was to it. I was like, this is dumb. Why I've already done, I don't want to do all this. And, and it's interesting because then she started saying like, you know, what we're doing is, is, and I think she's right. We take our money uh, or look, like all the effort that we put into work and we generate money. So money represents our, our like life energy. It's like what we're putting all of our money, our life effort that's limited. Like that's the true limited resource. And we're putting these activities to give us money. And so money represents our life um, uh, effort. And so then this next part of it is like, what are you doing with this life effort that you have, you know? Um, and that was where um, I posted something this morning about those three questions that she, you know, you want to ask yourself about this is, you know, like, basically, what are you doing with that life effort? Like, did I receive fulfillment, satisfaction, and value in proportion to life energy spent? Um, and then is uh, this expenditure of life energy in alignment with my values and life purpose. And so you have to kind of know what your values and your life purpose are. Um, and how might this expenditure change if I didn't have to work for money? Um, and so that was pretty interesting in the fact of like being a little bit more conscious about how we're spending our life energy. That's kind of the, what I started taking away. And then she goes actually a lot into purpose of, you know, what are we, what are we doing with all of this? Which I'm like, I well, that's that totally, the question. Yeah, I think that totally goes into, you know, what we see about like, I can only, I can only speak for women surgeons, but I, I assume it's women in general, but like, we don't want to spend money on ourselves, mm -hmm. you know? And like, does that tie into the concept of, I made this money, what's my, what do I do with it? Am I worth spending it on? And it's like, if not you, what? And that was actually, she was building it. This was, um, her book is based on a program that she had. You start here, you start there, you start there. And the, so the first start is, is always the most boring part, whether it's time or money or whatever. It's like writing down all how you're spending your time, writing how you're spending your money. It's just like boring as all crap. That's usually where we all stop. <laughs> but it's interesting because she's like, okay, you write down all the stuff that you spend and monthly, you're supposed to look at this and say, you know, did this align with my life purpose? You know, and she says, just give it up or down arrow. And if it's a down arrow, then like if it didn't align with your purpose or it did, you know, should I put more money into that? And I, you know, I certainly have kind of evolved to that whole aspect of coaching and getting programs and things like that, too. Um, whereas that does align with my life purpose and goal. And I've really tried to explore, like, what is my life purpose and goal? What do we want to do? Um, and just like this book and the life transitions book said is like, you know, kind of sometimes move more towards like a life that's greater than ourselves. Um, and so in that way, investing in yourself is investing in the greater aspect of it. Very fascinating. Yeah, because I, I mean, I think, I, you know, thinking about like, what else do women spend their money on if they're not spending on themselves? One, I think one thing is like just keeping up with the Joneses or like what they feel like they have to ha have. 
uh, cable TV always comes to mind for me because I'm not into sports at all. So like me spending money on cable TV or sports would not be part of my life's purpose. <laughs> but I think so many people have that and they hardly even watch TV, right? And you're like, why do you even have this product that's like hundreds of dollars a month? But it's easy for me to poo-poo on cable because I just don't watch TV. So, But I buy, I buy books hand over fist. Every week there's a book coming in the mail because I'm addicted to paper reading books. So I'm like, is that excessive? No. What else am I going to spend my money on? Football? <laughs> no offense to football lovers. Like, if you love it, great. But it's like that questioning of like, is it aligning with my values? So I liked how that she put it that way. It's like to looking, like, does it align with my value? And she actually gave the example of books. I'm like, why are you judging me? Anyway. <laughs> what did you she say about books? I can't remember. And it was basically just like, you know, questioning, are you buying them just to buy them? Do you stop by the bookstore every day? And, and you know, like basically buying stuff as buffering, you know, and I think like, am I buying books to get the knowledge, but I don't actually look at them, you know, things like that. So I think that, um, you know, really questioning like what, and this is all like those, the, like, what are the thoughts we're telling ourselves when we buy this, buying this because I really want this information or I'm buying this because I just want to have all these books around because maybe I'll read them and maybe I'll get smarter, but we all know I won't, but. And then, just, and then you just shame yourself for not doing it. Yeah. Um, and I saw this great, that's almost like the Marie Kondo where she's like, you can have whatever you want. You just have to use it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I like try and tell myself that I'm like, I can have what I want to buy, but I have to use it. Like, I can't just let it be here. Yes. And, you know, and letting stuff go when the use is gone, you know, uh, gosh, I, I'm like literally hyperventilating last night. I don't know if this is a post from a while ago. I um, pulled everything. I pulled every paper thing. This is, this was true for getting things done. And, um, Lisa Woodruff's book on organizing. And I say, you have to gather all paper, all paper and books and stuff you use and you put it in one place. And I posted pictures of this big pile. I actually didn't take that long, but I've resisted it for like six months. Um, so I piled everything all in here. And then I just started like That's chipping away. I finally got to this, this box of like the, you know, the, the more important stuff, like the financial stuff and this and that, like, do, what do I, what do I keep? What to get rid of? It's like literally like hyperventilating. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is so stupid. But anyway, I'm getting there. I find <laughs> the, the one thing that I had forgotten uh, about this book was the no what? shame, no blame. Cause that's the thing too, is that if I do buy something and I don't use it, I have this immense response to either getting rid of it or like holding on to it till I've reached my my limit <laughs> yeah well, the, the um the best thing I heard when it comes to stuff too is like when you look at something and say like why why am I holding on to it like does it represent something I was before or does it represent who I'm, I want to be but I'm probably not going to get there and, and start letting that go. So you can actually live in the present and, and, you know, go beyond that actually has helped me a lot too. Because goodness knows I hold on to stuff that don't spark joy, but, <laughs> <laughs> but are necessary. Now, anyone have any thoughts about the, the book itself? And I'm no judgment if no one read it. I mean, it, I think that mostly I, I um, purposely asked for us to pick a book that talked about money just because there's just so much, I don't know, drama associated with just money and it's just paper. 
it you really opened my eyes. Yeah, like I thought I was good with it until I started meeting money coaches. And I'm like, what's up with money coaches? And like getting to know them and like why they loved coaching on money. And like you can learn so much about yourself by realizing your limiting beliefs around money or just, you know, what you think the facts are. It'll, it'll open your mind wide open. Like the fact that some people don't think money is scarce. And, and I think that. Right. Like these these beliefs that you think are facts and they're they're not. They're just thoughts. That's where the, I think the fascinating stuff about money is. Yeah. What's enough? Does money give you scarcity or do your beliefs give you give you scarcity? Like there's so many great money. Stuff to work on. We, we have a few folks on here. Um, let's try this. This may be fun just to um, introduce yourself and then give me some of your limiting thoughts about money. It could be like anything. Um, so I'll start first. Um, so I'm Amy, I'm one of the coaches here at the Common Thread. And my living thoughts about money was that there's only so much that you could make, you know, like there's the job and this is how much I make. And then, you know, there's this, this limited amount um, that you could. And another thought was that it's interesting kind of evolving to say like, we, we can sometimes repel money if we feel guilty about it or feel sort of some judgment about it, that we can actually repel it. And so in some ways we actually, if we believe that money is limited, they will actually repel it and it will be limited. So that's something that I'm learning that's kind of interesting. Nice, I'll go next, I'm Kelly. Um, my big three money money beliefs, which I, I mean, I'm now like so much better at these because I've worked at it. Uh, money is hard, money is scarce, and money is security were my three big money beliefs before I started thinking about challenging those thoughts. I don't think money's hard anymore. Uh, I don't think money's scarce anymore. I'm, I'm letting go of the money as security now. That's the next one. Why would you want to let it go? What's wrong with that? Because you can. <laughs> it's just a practice. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Did you catch where she had like that inflection point? like there's a certain amount and then we hit enough and then enough is that inflection point of feeling secure and comfortable and calm i know but that's that's an external thing making you feel a certain way which goes against coaching maybe and and she actually talked about how you should get your enoughness from internalized and as opposed to the externalized and i thought that was a good point that kind of ties into coaching um because I think I had read this book a couple of years before and I didn't get any of the same points. Um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, all I got was like, okay, you just calculate how much money you make and that's an hour. And so I make like $8 an hour. <laughs> and uh, that's all I got from the book three years ago. And this time I got a ton more. My, I'm Rachel. The three limiting beliefs that I have are that money is control. Um, which is kind of an interesting one that's popped up. Money is security and money is scarce. I think those are um, this idea that um, if you have money, somebody else doesn't. And if somebody else doesn't have money, they're going to like take it from you. <laughs> and that, yeah, with the money is control is an interesting one from childhood that if you don't have any money, you don't have any decision power. What changed for you? Good ones. I am working the most on 
money as scarcity um, because I paid off my student loan, which is like <laughs> nothing. Um, yeah, that and then and then kind of reading this book again has made me think about what do I want to do next? Like, what is the point now? Like, I've worked so long to pay off this loan. What next? Oh, I literally just got coached on that topic <laughs> this week. Not specifically the student loans, but it was like, now that I have enough, what's next? Because I spent 25 years getting to enough. And I'm like, it's like a piece of your energy that you get to actually use somewhere else now. And it's really freeing, but there's like a, a void there. And I think like acknowledging it's a big deal. But yeah, that was literally my, one of my coaching topics this week. So what'd you come up with? Yeah. What's next? <laughs> I was just working on appreciating like the sucking sound that was coming from this void. Cause I still have like the <laughs> habits of like checking, is it enough? And I'm like, realistically, I'm at the point in my career where like, I'm, I'm good. And it's a very, that's, I haven't spent one day of my life being there. And so it's like, now I get to like, that's energy of like, save for retirement, save for the blah, 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 save for the blah, blah. blah. And it's like, that's gone now, gone. But I get to, the, the conclusion was that's energy that I was spending that I get to now spend somewhere else. And I get to explore Do I don't have a direct answer of where that energy is going. But, but same thing for you is like, you've, you've worked so hard to pay off the loan and now like that energy kind of, you get to refocus it. How did you feel, Rachel, after you paid it off? The initial thought was actually overwhelmed because it was like an impossible goal. I mean, it was, I felt like I came out with not that much money. I only had, it, I only borrowed 120 and then it ended up being about 200 after, you know, six years of training. But it, I just, I don't know. I, I, I felt like it wasn't real. Like I, I checked the bank five times to make sure the, the wire was real and that the money was really paid off. <laughs> can I get a printout and duplicate? That'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you can just write a check. I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, I can't just write a check. I, I need like a certificate or something. I don't know. Is it the and weirdest then... thing that you're like, you're the exact same person? Like yeah. literally yeah. nothing's actually changed. Still, still went to work. Yeah. Didn't, yeah, like. The craziest thing. People are like, when I pay it off, it's like, you're the same person actually. Yeah, I, I don't know if I like expected a parade yeah. or something to happen <laughs> totally. on the street. Um, we went to dinner, like a real dinner. And I spent a whole $60 and it was <laughs> really a celebration. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yes, congratulations. How about you, there's, Alana? There, there is a freedom, even though like nothing's actually changed, there is kind of a freedom knowing you don't owe that bank anything anymore. Yeah. But that's because I, that's just my belief of mine. Yeah. All right. But I definitely feel the vacuum void on the other side. Like you're talking about of like, now that I've spent my whole life doing this, <laughs> was this, what, what now? Mm-hmm. So what now? I have no idea. I, I, I have really been exploring what's my passion other than surgery or like is surgery my only passion? And uh, I really discovered um, that teaching is my other passion. 
um, I work with residents and then I want to like teach outside of the OR. So putting more energy into that. Almost like the money's irrelevant. I know. <laughs> Not there yet. <laughs> I'm just sitting in the sucking void phase. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I'm still like fascinated with the sucking void thing. Cause what does that mean? I'm appreciating the fact that I, that energy isn't having to be directed over there no. without the pressure to refocus right away. Okay. Of like, I'm just noticing like, Oh, I used to put that energy into thinking about that and I don't have to now. And there's lots of hand waving involved with the sucking. Void. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm interested. Like why, why sucking void and not like peace and calm? Because I'm an eight. I have lots of energy. There's sound involved. <laughs> I think that it, it maybe it comes from the scarcity, this idea of like, because it was a scarcity mentality and all that energy and that literal money went that direction, that to feel an abundance is to feel in a totally new place. It's interesting because you mentioned like with your money being a control thing, now that you have it, now you're in control. Are you, do you think there's like some fear associated with that or? It's interesting. The fear is that it's going to get taken away. Oh, interesting. It's weird. Yeah. Super weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're going to have to owe something again. Like you're going to yeah. get in debt again. Yeah. Yep. That someone's going to sue me and take it away that um, I'm going to make a bad investment that yeah, that it's just going to get taken away and then I won't have that calm. It's like that recurring dream where like your professor told you, you forgot to take a math class. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, crap, I got to go back to college and do this bet. Like, oh, there was this actual debt I didn't realize that I had. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is just like learning and, you know, appreciating the control you do. We do have in it. Like you got yourself this far. And now it's like, now it just gets easier. What was you figured out how to make and pay back $200,000. Like the power in that is like, is amazing. I think the one thought that frees you is like, I have the ability to generate it. You know, it's like that, that faith in yourself that you have the ability to generate money just by deciding, deciding to have money that actually just happens. I mean, I could, I could go to work at, I'm, I'm, I've mentioned this before target. I have nothing against target. You know, (laughs) there's Starbucks. There's all kinds of places with good benefits. You're probably qualified for that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting. It's like, when you think of like, you know, if money is security and security pays for shelter and housing and food, you know, could I get any job with the qualifications I have and be fine? Um, and that's actually the thought that freed me to go from employed to private practice of knowing is like, I can actually stop getting income right now. And I know that it's going to come back to me. I just know it. I mean, I could, I would, I'm willing to do anything to get it back whether that's like, you know, a locums or a other job, you know, job I'm overqualified for, you know, I know that I could generate it. And then I was free to, to take the chance. And that's uh, the scarcity that held me back. I lifted that for some reason 
I don't know how I did that, but then looking back, that's the thought that I was telling myself is I knew it would come. I knew it would come some way, but anyway. All right. Ayana, sir, we have not, am I pronouncing it right? Ilyana. Yeah. Ilyana. I usually put the pronunciation in there because people see the J and all of a sudden get like, ah. <laughs> well, I got the, I got the J, I think, is that an I-L? Yeah. Yeah. That gets messed up constantly too. Ill like you're sick, yawn like you're tired, and then ah like you're at the spa. Ah, there you go. That's awesome. How's New York? Um, good. I the first like six weeks of my job, I was like headed straight for burnout super fast because like you, Kelly, I like to be busy. I don't know if you guys are like this. You like to know what's going on, and I came to this place where we're. It's basically a startup, and so it's a very new situation as opposed to falling in line for fellowship residency, like maybe a practice. My first job was a practice that was like, they used to have four surgeons and they had two and they needed one or two more. So like they had it all figured out for you. Um, and I was like torturing myself sitting inside my not decorated office from eight to four because I read something that says I have to be immediately available and thought that meant like snap your fingers, not like 20 minutes. Um, but then I talked to my big boss, Jose, and he was like, oh, you don't need to sit there. Like you live close enough that you can leave and like explore Brooklyn and stop torturing yourself with that. And I got the, I got some coaching about not knowing, like having a structure when I went there and they were like, I was beating myself up for not having a structure. I was also beating myself up for not being able to enjoy the break. And like, she's like, you're torturing yourself to try to be bored like to accept that you like to be bored, but you don't like to be bored. <laughs> so stop, like do, do whatever you like to do, it's okay. So it's just like, I was spinning around a little circle there for a while, but it's my birthday weekend and month therefore. And so everything's way better <laughs> when it's my birthday time because I love my birthday. So that's how I tell you, I'm like, I love May. I love yeah. all of May. Yeah, so. <laughs> So that's, that's good. And things are going okay. Yeah. I missed the first part. I was walking my dog and my personal phone died. I don't Facebook on my work phone. Yes. The, um, we wouldn't introduce ourselves, but also then talk about our limiting money beliefs. What are the limiting money beliefs you have right now? Okay. My limiting money beliefs are, I might run out. People will take advantage of people who have money. Things are overpriced or blank is expensive and not worth it. I don't know if that's a money belief, but feels financially related. Ah. It's interesting. So like give us an example of something that you thought was expensive and you know what your thoughts were around it. Oh, anything full price. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't matter what the price is, it's just as if it says full price. Expensive. Um, so here's the thing, like I am super thrifty, always have been like when I was cleaning to move, I found a letter from med school that was like, oh, you're like telling people how to live free cheap in the areas like well, we're well received by the medical students. I was like, oh, I've been this my whole life. Um, so coming to New York was like one of the things I really wanted to work with my partners who are really good. But I was like, oh, my God, New York's so expensive. And everyone thinks it's worth it, but I'm not so sure. Yeah, there's lots of things to do, but living here is like a billion 
bajillion dollars. And, um, and it didn't really matter in this instance because I knew that I wanted to work with this person over here and this person over here. And then they joined and then offered me an opportunity. So I was like, well, I have to go. It doesn't matter <laughs> like how expensive it is. So that's like one thing. Um, and then the other thing that happens is like, I'll buy something. Like I go to the thrift store. I love going to the thrift store. I love the dig. I love the treasure hunt. Um, but I'll go to like, uh, maybe an outlet store <laughs> or a regular store. I hardly ever buy anything like regular price, but then I'll buy it and I'll be like, oh, this isn't really worth this many. I equate it like, okay, how many of this could I have bought here? Is this worth it? The answer is always no for me. So it does waste a little bit of time when I do that. I should just recognize that I don't, <laughs> I don't set, I don't usually keep the things I buy at full price so just stop buying things at full price because you're gonna like go in this circle live your thrift life and enjoy it so and the i might run out thing um that actually worked in my favor because i was quasi employed for like a year and a half and i was able to float along on what i had put in savings so i'm a money hoarder but i'm also i have a lot of debt so i i'm a pediatric surgeon been in training forever and ever and um, so that's just like climbing, but I didn't really care because I was, I was more focused on making sure I wouldn't run out than not having that recurring like, hey, you owe half a million dollars to become a doctor. Thank you. Um, so those are some of the things. And then the people will take advantage of people who have money. It just makes me not wanna tell people I'm a doctor. You know, it's like, oh, they're going to like see, well, one is about money, but two is about, they're going to like see you in a different way or be like shrink down or maybe puff up. I don't know. Just not be whoever they would be if they just didn't even know whatever you did for a living. So. Those are good. Interesting. How do you feel about that? Which, uh, the one that bothers me the most, I like that I might run out because it actually is, I, it keeps me safe um, and I feel like it keeps me smart with my money, but I do, I have like perfectionist and people pleasing tendencies, which all goes along with this. So when I'm evaluating, like I overthink stuff a lot, you know, it's like a recent example is I found, I go to the Dollar Tree. I just love being in super affordable places. So I was looking for, we have all these shelves in the new closets and I used to have hanging closets. And so I need like, and they're wire shelves, so stuff will get stuck. And I went there and I saw they had like beige cat litter trays, which are like the perfect size. They're, they're like the perfect depth and the perfect width. And so I bought one, tested it out, and I was like, okay, I want them. And I went back and they didn't have them anymore. But you could order them online, but you'd have to pay shipping. And I wasted more mental space over this than just paying the damn $30. Like for, <laughs> and so it's that's more of the, like, I don't want to pay for shipping if I can get it somewhere else. So um, I feel like they're okay issues to have. They're not, I don't feel like they're holding me back that much. I feel like when I don't tell people <laughs> I'm a doctor, I feel like a little bit of like hiding, you know, like a little bit of hiding a part of me. So I don't love that part. And I've been playing with it more and just like 
well, I don't come out and say it. And I don't usually ask people because that's not who they are. I usually ask them like, what do they like to do with their day? I don't ask, I actually don't like the question, what do you do for a living? Because some people just don't like their job. They just like do it. And then it's like work. And I would rather know what you like to do for fun. So I don't feel horrible about it. <laughs> so basically you've spent half a million dollars and lots of hours of your time to create a profession that you don't want to admit to. <laughs> right. Right. And it's like, it, it's the greatest profession in the world. Like I save kids and babies all day long from their foreskin currently bunch of, stuff. but, <laughs> but um, I really do like my job. I just, I don't want to be, I think it's probably, my, in my family, like we weren't, I'm first generation doctor and we were poor and on welfare and had five kids and lived with my grandparents. So I remember like they would see people who were doctors and they'd be hanging out with doctors, which is normal. Like we'd go train, have a lot of stuff, but I think it was perceived as exclusion, you know, of not being at the same level as them. So if you feel like you admit you're a doctor, you're excluding yourself from other people. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, uh... you feel like, like maybe are you repelling folks? No, no. I feel like I'm super inclusive. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, uh, kind of. I feel like, I feel like people... I have, I feel like I've seen always through my lenses, of course, but like you're talking, 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 oh, what do you do? You're a doctor. And then like, it, go, it goes in a, it feels a different to me, like the rest of the conversation or just the vibe I get from them. It just feels like a hierarchy has been established that I don't obviously want. Like, I'm just a person like you. I, I agree to that. I feel like it shuts down conversations with other women. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you're initially meeting them. And I don't know if that's a real or a perceived, but I do feel that same way that when I'm in a group and it's like, maybe they're a stay-at-home mom and that's fantastic. And I think that people should be doing what they want to be doing. Cause I think that's should be at the forefront. And then it's like, oh yeah, like I'm a breast cancer surgeon. And then it's just like, well, it was nice to meet you, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know if they get overwhelmed or intimidated or just like, well, I can't like, there's no way that this could work, but I, I, I that's what it is. And that's why I think I don't want to do it because I want to be a normal human with everybody else. Like, Right. And I also will try and compensate by saying something that's quote unquote more relatable. Like I also like bachelor in paradise <laughs> or... <laughs> <laughs> something, something to bring it, you know, back to a more relatable topic. It's, it's interesting because, you know, I don't know if you, know, you noticed this, that when you mentioned like the pediatric surgery, you said that, um, oh, but it's, it's just circumcisions. It's just foreskin stuff. Yeah, I, I do that. I all mean, oh, I, I might've saved some of these other people's lives, like these really like life altering yeah. things, but mostly I just do well, right now I do. That is the truth right now in this new startup. It's like a backlog of circumcisions. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so it's, how many of us do feel that way? Like, can we talk to people in other jobs and how do we feel of saying like, I'm a surgeon? 
I have no problem saying it. I, I say I'm, it. I just I, don't I, come out and volunteer it like up front, like, hi, I'm Liliana Gafar. I work at Kings County as a pediatric surgeon. What do you do for a living? Well, then it, yeah, then it's braggadocious, right? <laughs> I, I think I used to. Like, I, I totally, I totally hear you guys. And I feel like just the more I am who I am, I guess, like, the, like I've just been doing it so long now that I'm like, and I've, it's, when you come across confident and loving of them and embracing, like, they actually think it's, like, amazing and, like, are in awe and, like, and it's okay. And, and truthfully, I don't care what they think anymore. And I have a, I have a very nice doctor house at this point in my life. And I didn't want to invite people over or even have my, have playdates for my daughters because I didn't want people to think like, whoa, what's going on? It like, you know, right. And I yeah. was like, finally, like, why am I hiding this house? Like I work super hard and like the, the value I give to the world, I get to have this beautiful house. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we had the birthday party for my daughter yesterday. And so two preschool moms came over and they're like, wow, th this is a beautiful house. And I got to be like, thank you. Thank you very much. Right. And it was like totally cool. And I'm like so glad I did the work to like get here because now my daughter gets to have friends over. <laughs> I have another limiting belief that's getting in the way. Um, one was that, so you know how they want to, everybody wants us to volunteer our time to do committees and stuff like that. And if you are, I don't know if any of you are also like volunteering your time for wellness wherever, but something that's standing in my way is like, I, I want to get paid for things that I do and that's fine. But the whole admitting, like I'm on the wellness committee for APSA and I'm interested in coaching or community building or whatever. And, um, I know that they're going to want stuff for free. And that's not sustainable. So, but me saying like, oh, I feel like I have to come out and be like, disclose like, hey, I'm also, I don't have this yet, but I'm also coaching people and I charge like, you know, it's like a, a business and I don't have it yet, but I'm going to. And um, I feel this like weird, it just feels weird to be in that space because all these other people who are in it are volunteering their time for it. And this is also a startup. It hasn't actually like taken off, but there's like lots of discussion about how we're going to support. Like we just had a pediatric surgeon die by suicide last um, in May. And he was only 10 years out. He's 40 something years old and was super bright, super having like all this great stuff. Um, and he was even like friends with psychiatrists who they worked closely with. And I listened to his service the other day and I was like, yeah, this is all what happens. And we are like, now's the time to like re-engage about all this kind of support. So my limiting belief is that if I let them know that I have this serve and earn situation going on, that it will also be shadowed with like, oh, well, she just wants to do this to make money or whatever, or, you know, I and it, I mean, you. yeah. Are you running a business? Am I? Mm -hmm. You mean in general? Yeah. Like the this, CEO, Ilyana Gafar? <laughs> no, I don't have an LLC or anything, but. But what you're describing is like, is a business, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have plans. I just have been stepping in my own way because of how people will perceive, like I have to ask or tell or whatever, get the people to sign off on an outside interest form and compliance people and all that stuff. And I've been avoiding it since March and here's it's not here's, helping me. Think of this, a business is an, ex- and, and we are a business surgeons yeah. for business, right? Is an exchange of value for money. Right. Like literally that's it. So <laughs> let's break it down though. Do you provide value? Yes. You get money. As a surgeon? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Business. I provide value for money. Mm-hmm. No drama. The only drama comes so in. So much here. drama in here so right now. Drama. So yeah. much drama in my body. Here's where the, here's where the drama, <laughs> but you had to, you had to focus where the drama is in that sentence. Where's the drama? It's the value. If you knew without a shadow of a doubt that you had value as a surgeon, as a coach, as any business, if you knew you had value, you would have no problem asking for money. No, I have problem admitting I like, I don't have problem asking for money. I totally have my mind wrapped all around that. Like, if you don't give me money, I can't give you more. Uh, You're going to tap me out and I'm going to have nothing to offer. And that's Mm -hmm. not good for the universe. So My pro- my hesitation is, okay, APSA is a bunch of volunteers, surgeons who are doing all these things, which is great, but it's also, now that I like saw the light of like, your time is worth money, not just worth giving it away and giving, giving, giving. Um, I, I feel like it's like I'm asking for permission. Like, hey, can I still be on this committee even if I, even if this is totally up my field, like I've been in this for a year, like intentionally in it for a year, like really figuring out all this stuff that you guys like are just now needing, like recognizing you need. So. Yeah, I, I think like if everybody on the on the group is volunteer, then it's a volunteer group, right? And then you yeah. just have to be like, is this for me or is this not for me right now? Right. Right. Because right. if you're like the one person who's like, I'd like to get paid, they're like, that's actually not what this group's about. Well, it would be right. more my so I would do whatever they're doing, whatever their plan is. Right. Like if it's like every other month coaching calls and there's these people in a in a, uh, a schedule, kind of like you guys, you know, Um and that you have to do. And that would be only for free. Of course, like you, would, I would be joining knowing that that's for free. But my thing is like, okay, well, I'm also like, I have a business that links directly with it. And so like, it's not siphoning, it's just offering it similar or different, you know, like things, but we're all as unique as our thumbprint. So it's not the same. So it sounds like you have this like basement level thing that's volunteerism. And then you offer something next to it. That's like elevating it. Right. Right. So Exchange, so the first is not a business. However, it le- leads into your business. It's part of it. Right. Exchange of value for a different resource, which is your time. Yeah. Your exposure. Right. And there is a monetary value to that. Yeah. So you may not get money from that, but there's a there's a monetary value to it. Yeah. I'm more worried about the, which is dumb. I'm, I know. But worried about other people being like, oh, well, she wanted to join this to feed it into her business so she could make money off of surgeons or whatever. Well, then it's and easy. Just ask, you run your business by asking people how to do it. How's that going to go? 
everyone not are good. you okay with me running a business are you okay with me running I, that's what are it is okay same like okay? <laughs> yeah i know it's so super annoying <laughs> uh the most important thing is to step back and say this is what i'm doing and this is what's going to happen if i keep doing it you mean like if i keep asking everyone else oh yeah then nothing will happen Oh, actually, eventually one day I will get brave and they will tell me yes or no. And then I will have to. You may get lucky and find someone who helps, but you're at the mercy of finding someone who's going to volunteer their time to help you run your business. Oh, I don't need help running my business. <laughs> I think it comes down to permission. Like, it is permission. It's, it's know, my people then, pleasing permission. Yeah. And, and the only and that, person and the perfectionism about like, I don't have my LLC. Like I don't have a paying client yet. You know, like that, that stuff. That's really just like there's in my person, way right now. There's one person to give you permission. I know it's me, but it's you. <laughs> you hang out with you 24 hours a day. You're all you need. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Like the hardest yeah, person. Like, I'm, I'm actually giving you permission. Right. But like, it's these You're papers, like, the papers are killing me. They're like, you have to admit your outside interests. And when I was signing onto the job, I was locums before that or per diem. And I was like, Hey, I have this going on. And they're like, Oh, we don't want you to do that because it's like, you're providing medical care somewhere else. And plus I didn't even really want to keep doing it because I don't want to spend my vacation traveling to go provide pediatric surgery elsewhere. But they did say no. And I didn't really fight it because I wasn't really going to do it because I have internal locums. And if I can take <laughs> locum, like locum or call, you know, just call pay, extra call pay in house, that's easier for me. But so they already said no, but I didn't really want it. I really want this stuff. Yeah. You just get to see what happens. But don't tie your, I mean, it's all about your permission. Once you give yourself permission, Everybody else is just living their life. Yeah. One thing that also happened, I know, just cut me off. I'm dominating too much, but so I'm on the education committee and also I'm like on a number of committees on APSA because I was like, once I lost my first job, I was like, okay, I'm going to go be national, you know, like national will follow you everywhere. Local will die if you leave. So, um, so I'm on the education committee. I was like, oh, wouldn't it be a good idea if whenever you guys are making presentations for whatever, like if there was like a place you could upload them within APSA so we could like find it or slide share. And that got rejected like super fast. They're like, oh, we can't do quality control on that. You'd have to go through every lecture created, verify all the resources, make sure none of the pictures are stolen from elsewhere, blah, blah, blah. And in that moment, I was like, this is not the place for my slide share, right? It's like, I'm going to do this still. Like it's still going to become a thing. It's just going to be outside of, this regulatory body. So. Mm -hmm. So yeah. That's all. That's <laughs> all that's going on up here. You know, after we've been talking and all too, like how much of like you're the only one that mentioned like the people pleasing part of this, but how much of this money it issues are related to people pleasing, do you think? I think Rachel's kind of a little bit like when you're talking about those conversations with other people, right? Because oh, we want people to like us and we're assuming that they're not going to like us if we talk it, about money or a job. So much, so much of my parents are going to think I'm doing the wrong thing with my money. My, my friends are going to 
look at me a certain way or I'm not, yeah, like they're going to look at you in a different way. Cause I also grew up poor. I also grew up poor. And so it had a very specific perception of the quote unquote rich people. And then it's like, what happens when you are that person? You're the rich people. <laughs> yeah. When, you, when, when you're the rich people. Personal because otherwise you'll start hating yourself. Right. Like the, the other money beliefs are rich people are bad. Rich people are mm -hmm. greedy. Rich people are cruel. Like mm -hmm. all of those beliefs about people who have money instead of like wealth is a way to spell, to share more love. Wealth yeah. is a way to help right. more people. Like bad people are poor and rich. Good people are poor and rich. Like, like untying all of that. Cause I'm same with you. Like I grew up first generation doctor, you know, hand me down my entire life. And I'm like, I became what my family wasn't. Mm -hmm. like, and like being able to, to realize like, oh, bad people, there's bad people that are dirt poor. So they can't, they're not all rich, right? Like, and like breaking those apart. And then I just, the, what do people care about you? Cause it's like, this is your life. They didn't do freaking general surgery residency. That shit was hard. Like, you know, own it. And, and know, all that, that debt. That you accumulated, right? You didn't take on the debt. Yeah, totally. That was the hardest part of the calculation, honestly, was looking at the six years or really the 10 years, the four years of medical school and the six years of under earning, right? And in, in residency, you're under earning what you will eventually earn and being like 10 years of my life was spent in a negative, like in a, in a negative balance with no potential for being in a positive balance. That was really tough to write down. So I think um, I, I'm totally obsessed with Embodiment Unlimited and like Mark Walsh and he just had a thing about marketing and he grew up poor, was like homeless, like uh, alcohol abuser, almost, I don't know if he did or almost committed suicide multiple times. And now he's like super successful. And he used to have the same things about like, oh, rich people are bad or greedy or whatever. And then... Um, and then he was talking about it too bad. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it's very meaningful. I was like, <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember the link, like, um, what happened, but Google him. I'm sure he's got something somewhere. Mark Walsh, you said Mark, Mark Walsh, Walsh embodiment unlimited. Okay. I just, I'm totally obsessed with him and everything he puts out. So, because I'm a lot of coaching I've scene is um very like cognitive but i'm very body-based so the way he coaches through like how you're feeling what that means to you and how that's impacting your the way you see the world i'm just like oh my god you're what i've been looking for this whole year and so it's just immediate obsession <laughs> you know he's, he's got a thing coming up this week that's called um relationship reconnection and he offers a lot of free stuff. Like this is how he, um, he did say like what Kelly said, like being able to earn and have money makes it so that you can give more to everybody all the time and you can calibrate your offerings. Like he gives these, I think he called it like a free binar because it's free and then he turns it into an evergreen and he sells it um, for like half price right after the launch and then it goes full price and then in a year he redoes the whole situation. 
And so he's like, I know that everyone can't afford it, but I feel like everyone needs to hear some of it. So that's why I offer it at a very affordable free price. You just have to give your time. And then there will be people who can support it and get more involved and, you know, grow with it and have the resources to do it. And that's how I serve them. You know, I he, he was like, I charge my, um, this is not gonna sound right, but I charge my gay Russians because it's an international group pennies and I charge my corporate people like millions so I can do that you know and so I can support the more I have to give the more I have to give so that's where I saw somewhere that like money just enhances what you have I mean if you think of like you spend your life energy to get money then you could take your money and then harness it for life energy so he's kind of taking that money he's getting and then he's harnessing it so he's Taking it's like the rubbing head. Yeah, yeah, that's what he called it. That's what he called it when he was explaining it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting though. Um, I wanted to get back to what Rachel was saying about like our conversations with other people. Um, and there's a couple things that that work against us as surgeons. For one thing, you know, we immediately have some ideas of what people are going to think of us as surgeons. But then we also, I think, have thoughts about about us too. It's like you know, uh, I've talked to someone who like. I talk to someone and I don't have anything in common with them. And so I'm clearly never gonna have any friends. <laughs> and it's, it is interesting too, because um, it, it kind of goes back to what Brooke says is like, what do you want? Like, I want to be able to interact with like regular people now, you know? And then, so you have to say like, what is that going to take? And first it's knowing what our thoughts are. Like, I'm worried what they're going to think of me. So now, now you shrink, now your emotion is like this, like high, you know, um, concern and, and, you know, whatever self-consciousness and we show up in a different way. But if we're open to saying like, I'm just going to like put my stuff out, I'm going to get to know everybody and then not interact with people in ways that will keep that from happening, but also recognizing what is it going to take? I may not get it along with Susie down the street, you know, maybe we'll never get along. We would never get along for in school, you know, and I, it doesn't have to mean anything about me as a, a surgeon, you know, or we can like look and see, like sometimes the, like the loudest person that shows up to us, you know, is also not the person for us. And so I think the problem is, is that as we become attendees and have more time and interact with the world at large, we start to realize that we've kind of like disconnected from a lot of things and hobbies and interest. Um, but we don't have to be friends with everybody, we just have to find the right ones, you know, the circle that would work for us. Um, yeah. And so like her thoughts is like, I'm just going to work. If I really want connections with other people, I'm willing to fail. I'm willing to spend coffee with Janet and Hater, or, you know, me with Karen and like not deal with that, you know, <laughs> not you know, things like that. But it's, it's interesting because it's kind of, you know, like the, this idea of dating, like if you really want interactions with other people is to, you know, understand how you're showing up, but then also understanding that you don't have to connect with everybody. It's okay. We're, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit much for people. So <laughs> there's people out there for me, but others not so much. Anyway, I, I, think, I think I feel like I don't feel fancy enough to be a surgeon. Like here I am thrift store and even <laughs> it just gets so out of control how like little I can spend and have things. But, um, I don't feel like I'm fancy, like surgeon level fanciness, like whatever had been in my mind about like, oh, doctors, you know, like here's the country club and our giant house and our horses and, and here's my bajillion dollar bag and I go on trips every weekend and blah, blah, blah. So I don't, I, 
I don't know. Maybe some of that comes up like, oh, because I, I did this once. I was like to combat that whole like, oh, they're going to think I'm rich and then they're going to do something. It's like, yeah, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. Oh, when we were looking for houses because I didn't want to get taken advantage of. Right. I was like, oh, yeah, I just graduated. So, yeah, I'm a doctor, but I have a ton of student debt. You know, like I, I I'm poor. You know, I that's what I was trying to like show to them. Like, what if you're the example for someone else now? You know, what if you're like, I'm the new generation. This is what pediatric surgeons do. Yeah. I mean, if you're happy with who you are. And I you, think that's why I don't tell non-doctors that I'm a, a surgeon. Cause I don't, I'm not like that stereotypical. Like, I don't want to interact with other people because they may tell me that I'm not a surgeon because I don't act like one. Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah. They may not what? like. Like how many of us have said, you don't look like a surgeon. Okay. I've heard you don't look like a surgeon. <laughs> yeah. You don't look like an army officer. You don't look like a runner. I was like, what the hell? I was like, is everybody wrong or am I wrong? Or I <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it's like, so do you want to be that persona? And if you don't want to be that persona, then what is going to be your narrative to them? I can't be that persona. I don't, I don't want it. Like my whole body rejects it. And um, yeah. So, and then the people pleasing thing and like that you brought up. So I went to this festival, which is like the start of this whole personal development thing. It's called Interfusion Festival. And it had like, there were coaches or social workers or counselors or psychotherapists. I don't know. There are people at this thing. Plus the safe part, which is why I went, I was like, okay, if it gets too hippy dippy out there, I'm going to do dancing. Like they had Zook, which is a type of like uh, social Latin dance that I was comfortable being uncomfortable in. And they had this activity that like really highlighted my people pleasing situation where you were to go around the room and like try to tune into yourself, like mind, body, heart, soul, whatever the words are. And you're walking around a room of strangers. Um, so I guess I had to be, it was maybe two years ago. I don't know. It was some, sometime before coronavirus. Have, I didn't mean oh, two minutes. Oh, that's okay. I have to run off to a case. Like oh, no probably a 10. That's but okay. So it really highlighted because I, I couldn't say no, I couldn't follow the rule. The rule was if not all three said yes. And someone asked you for a hug, which the instruction was people were going to ask you for a hug. You had to say, no, I couldn't do it. Like I, people would do it. And I'd be like, it's not hurting me. I just, you know, like hugs, who cares? And then I talked to the lady, I was like, why? She asked everybody, this entire auditorium, like who had trouble with it or couldn't do it? And I was like, me, and it was me and one other person. And I was like, like, what is happening here? And then she like said all these words I don't have time to say. And I was like, what has happened to my life? I was like, I've always been a people pleaser. I even people please items like crayons. I'd have to use every crayon at least once just so everyone got to feel included. No, I know that we're, um, I would, would run over, but the circulator is just calling saying they sent for my patient That's, okay. That's good. 13 minutes away. Um, thank you for leading this, Amy. It was yeah. great. Yeah, it was great. Well, I think it's really important too, because, you know, it's funny is because the more talk about money is like, it's not money at all. Money is just like this transaction that reveals our people pleasing, our insecurities, our scarcity, you know, how other people think about us, all these things. Um, and so that's why I really wanted to pick the book. And I actually think it's a really good book. I, I am going to probably finish it eventually. Um, but just really starting to question um, why we do the things that we do. Beautiful. Right. Have a good Thanks day. For, thanks coming, guys. I really appreciate it. I'll put this up in room one. Thank you.